The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that armadillos speak with a French accent? <laughs> uh, yes, it's an accent aigu. Oui, because aigu means armadillo in French. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> For more Armadillo facts and to find out how you can access episodes a day early, check us out at patreon.com slash Armadillo Podcasting Club. Merci. <laughs> the wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Lake Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 5 through 8 of Crossroads of Twilight, book 10 of The Wheel of Time. Previously, having narrowly escaped from Shan Chen-controlled Ebudar, Matt does the only rational thing. He joins the circus. But so far, his circus life seems to consist of butting heads with Aganan, getting shit thrown at him by his wife of prophecy, and attempting to placate a cart full of Aes Sedai and Suldan. Probably not the circus life he was hoping for. Uh, certainly more head dice rolling than he would like. Uh, but also, the commander of the Death Watch is now hunting for Tuon. For context, this is the guy who rehearses how he would kill every person he meets with his bare hands. I think he did it like three different times in the, in the brief chapter that we had with him. Uh, yeah. And he also seems to have kind of a fatherly attachment to Tuon, which does not bode well for our dear friend, Matt. Okay. Chapter five, the forging of a hammer. Icon of the wolf. Which of course means a parent chapter. Yeah. Heck yeah. It's been a while. It has. Like, yeah. He, he wasn't in, was he, he was in the last book, but only like barely, right? It was just in the prologue. So yeah. This is just the beginning of since the beginning of the last book, and of course, because Wait, so, Fael's been missing for more than a book. Well, sort of. Yes and no. Yeah. Remember the timeline's all wonky, right? So. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. So we we went back in time a little bit. Um, yeah. But this this so book Perrin, opens with Perrin's wolf dream, of course, right? Yeah, right. He's that's that's just how he dreams all the time. He's a sweet wolf all the time in his dreams. It's great. Yeah. I wonder if Perrin sniffed any good butts lately. You know. <laughs> Actually, I guess he's, I guess he hasn't, right? Because you know, Fail. No, he he sniffs all the butts, right? He smells all the butts in the room when he walks into a room, right? <laughs> oh, that's a good and a bad. That's a good and a bad thing because I, let, let's be honest, uh, the people here aren't bathing, like right? These are these are not some good smelling butts. That's true. Yeah. Um, the wolves in his dream are freaked out by something, some horrible smell. Yeah. Something even worse than a beer draw. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, he's surfing the wolf web to find some wolf buds and he asks him about it and they all ghost him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're on your own there, wolf bro. Yeah. Um, he's got, he's been counting the days. He's been searching for Fail for 22 days, which actually isn't all that much. You, I mean, he, well, I mean, hanging out with her every minute feels like an eternity. So, <laughs> you know, that is kind of a long time. <laughs> Yeah, you, if only you were there to cheer him up. <laughs> <laughs> no, parent, think of the bright side of all of this. You don't have to see Fahil. <laughs> yeah, Isn't that great? Somebody took your horrible wife away from you. <laughs> I want to point out that Perrin knows it's 22 days because he has a little morning ritual where he counts the days on knots on a leather cord and lists the names of the people who are taken. You know, like mm -hmm. you do. <laughs> yep. 
Well, yeah, speaking of, he is getting super intense. He's getting really like hardened and basically everybody he talks to is a little bit scared of him through, through all these chapters. And mm-hmm. a lot of blacksmith metaphors in here. Oh, yes. Yeah. So many. Perrin's the hammer and he's forging his rage in the forge, which is also his rage. Well, the rage is the hammer and he's forging it with his anger. Right. And whenever anything that's not anger related comes up, he's like, hammer doesn't need that. (laughs) Or I'm folding that into my rage thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's so down on himself, though. Yeah. Like he's he just keeps talking about how like he's not smart and he can't. Whenever he tries to do anything quickly, he fucks it up because he's not very smart. Yeah, he's having I'm a like, hard Come time. Come on, Perrin, you're doing okay. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. the IE aren't trying to evade him, but I think he's like he's a little bit of a in a, in a little bit of a panic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he gets a report from Balwer and Saland, who yeah. are, I guess, his his spy team. No, no, his secretary. Balwer is his secretary, and, <laughs> yeah, se- and and his secretary is giving him a bunch of spy knowledge, like secretaries do. <laughs> Balwer, Baron. Okay, you, you know, we were just defending his intelligence, but he has not put it together that Balwer is something other than a secretary. <laughs> yeah, he, he has a whole thing where he's like. Balwer doesn't like when I, he gives me his, his information in front of uh, Aram. <laughs> I don't understand why. He's just doing his secretary job, right? And Balwer's like, <laughs> yeah. if everyone knows who your fucking spy master is, it makes me better, worse at my job, man. <laughs> also, yeah. can we please, speaking of Aram, can we please stop that every single time Perrin looks at Aram, he has to insult him because of the clothing he wears? <laughs> oh, does he? I didn't even Every single that. time he's like, yeah, he's wearing this disgustingly bright or it's like jarring your stomach or it's it's mean. It's <laughs> I, very I even, mean. I'm so used to it. I didn't even notice. It's like, damn, Perrin, give it up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know we had the fashion police in the house, motherfucker. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Perrin's like, that shirt is not working with those pants, my, my friend. Yeah. Getting <laughs> shit from the guy who hasn't bathed in a month. That's That's right. <laughs> So the messages from Balwer is that basically all about Masima. Masima is all kinds of shady. Um, Masima's army is shadowing Perrin's army. Uh, he's meeting with the Aes Sedai that that are working are with Perrin. He's sending messages to somebody they don't know who. And he's uh, apparently he's killing people. Yeah, he's raiding and recruiting. Like he's he's growing his numbers and killing and and looting the villages they pass. And like, he's killed some of Perrin's people because a bunch of their soldiers have gone missing. I don't think like it was, a dozen. I think it wasn't Perrin's people specifically. It was um, Barrelane's people. I well, yeah, think. yeah, that's but, I, but including them as Perrin's party. Yeah, but no, you're right. You're right. Uh, and all I could think was, why is this guy still alive? They need yeah. to kill yeah, this Masima. dude, right? Like, oh man, Masima is is like he's he's a powder keg, right? And there's like any moment, any moment. Yeah, but Perrin has his orders. Which he's not doing right now because he has to go get Fael. Right, right. His very important orders that he's currently disregarding, but he won't, you know, he's not going to violate them. So uh, Perrin proceeds to do uh, my new favorite thing. I guess it's not that new anymore, but he walks through his camp and he thinks about things. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because there's this whole thing where Balwer's like, like after uh, Perrin and Balwer's spy, Siland, walks away, Balwer's like, I have something important to tell you as well. And it's like, Ten pages later, <laughs> parents still walking through camp. I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that whole time Balwer was like giving dirty looks to Aram. That's exactly what I, I was like because Balwer's still there. Perrin mentions, oh, he's still following me. It's like Balwer's. <laughs> so what happened is Balwer's like, I have something I want to tell you, and Perrin like walks off. 
<laughs> yeah. So Bauer thinks those messages are going to the White Cloaks, um, but Perrin thinks it's they're going to the Shan Chen. And uh, so they have a little conversation where Bauer basically tells Perrin that he has earned Bauer's respect because he's uh, just is honest, right? He just says what he means and does what he intends. I actually found and this. He doesn't have any. He doesn't have any poison needles, which I wasn't sure was like a metaphor, or is he actually referring to poison needles being a common problem in the spy game? I, why? Why not both? Right. <laughs> yeah. I gotta be honest. I know this was like a real, kind of a weird conversation that where they had this moment, but I found it kind of heartwarming. I think. I think I appreciate Perrin's like straightforward nature, and I like seeing other characters acknowledge it. That made me feel a little. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it too. It made Perrin seem cooler. Because Balwar's like, wow, you're just some honest guy, aren't you? You're just what you just what you seem. But Balwar does say, you know, you're nothing like my previous employer. That guy was crafty as hell. <laughs> and and Perrin's like, I don't know what that meant. His previous employer was some noble lady. <laughs> yeah, some merchant lady or something. She must have been real weird. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh that was that yeah. Perrin is not crafty. Uh but yeah. but Perrin also says basically like we need to deepen my spy network. And I never would have pegged Perrin as one, you know, to do spy craft, but here we are. Right. Right. Well, he's got to forge that hammer, the hammer of vengeance. And if the hammer needs to spy on people, that's what the hammer is going to do. <laughs> that's right. Chapter six, the scent of a dream icon of the wheel of time. So I finally figured out why the two rivers men are mad at Perrin, mm. which has been this, this ongoing thing through these whole chapters because they think he boinked Barrelane. <sighs> Yeah, like the night after Fael was captured, I had forgot about this whole Perrin Bones Barrelane River, and I, 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 it really irritates me. I can't explain why exactly. Like, I guess she's it, maybe it's because it's like a play that she's using, using against him, and for whatever reason, he can't see any way to like clear it up, and she won't help him do it. But like, oh, it it really irritates me. I, 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 yeah, it, I, I really hate their whole exchange though. Like Barrelane and Perrin's like little whatever it is, annoys me. Yeah, she's super predatory. And it's especially irritating because her character outside of this bullshit predatory thing is actually incredibly interesting and cool. And this is just a waste of time and it's frustrating. And um, I don't know, you just kind of want to like smack all the two rivers heads together, people's heads together and be like, oh my God, get over yeah. it. Like, it's yeah, not it's happening. Good. Trust this guy. Yeah, yeah I, this is this is your guy that you've known since he was a... a kid with you you know and he's also this parent golden eyes lord that has inspired you to to, re to fly the flag of ancient manetherin saved your fucking village from a bunch of trollocs and you you think he he cheated on his wife the night she got captured yeah i i think i think what probably annoys me about this is it feels kind of manufactured like it doesn't none of it feels like it makes any sense other than like robert jordan's like well i gotta have some drama in here so i'm gonna Say that everyone thinks Perrin Be boinked Barrelane or whatever, and it, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And it, although and it if they were an item, they could be Paralane, which I, would be kind of cool. It's a really good name pairing. Mm. I'm not gonna lie. You know, if Perrin was into it and he got with Barrelane, I wouldn't be opposed to it. You know, like I get the two rivers <laughs> yeah. people would be pissed, but whatever. I think Perrin and Barrelane <laughs> makes way more sense than Perrin and Fael. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, you know, maybe Fael doesn't survive this. Yeah, wouldn't it be a shame if Perrin <laughs> couldn't recover Fael from the <laughs> from the Fael Shido? is is she's a strong character. She has many fine qualities. Yeah, 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 sure. And the Shido, uh, you know, it would be a real tragedy if the Shido killed her, Jeff. <laughs> Just heartbreaking. Real sad all the you way know, around. 
maybe they're just setting Perrin up to become some sort of like raging, cold-hearted whatever, you know? Like, because I had just kind of assumed that Fayol was going to survive, especially since we have those chapters from her point of view right after she had been captured. But it occurred to me today, maybe she doesn't actually survive. I don't know. People die. We'll see what happens. Well, rarely in these books, but yes. Yeah. But anyway, aside from all that, Perrin's going out to meet his scouts and he finds Darkhound tracks, right? Yeah. Which is super cool. Apparently a big pack of Darkhounds circled the whole camp. Like and when you, then left. When you say big, it's like like fifty dark hounds or something like that, right? Yeah, epically big. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he gets met out there by Barrelaine, um, who is at her most infuriating. Yeah. And uh, she sort of ambushes him and tries to make him look like he's flirting with them, and then gives him a little lecture about leadership. But she does pass along some useful information. She confirms the whole Sean Chen thing for him, right? Yes, she does because they her uh, spies stole a, a actual letter from Suroth, which I think means Massimo's a dark friend. Yeah, you know, that that did occur to me, and it seems impossible because Massimo Massimo really seems to b- believe that Rand is the dragon. So I don't I don't know how that jives with like Massimo being a dark friend, but it would explain this whole Sh- Suroth well, connection. There are those uh Aes Sedai that got uh mind mixed by Viren who are still dark friends, but who believe that Rand must survive to fight the final battle. Yeah, but nothing, like, how would that have happened to Masima, right? Well, his mind's all mixed up anyway, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So he could he could just he could believe that Rand is the dragon and also want to defeat him, or I don't know. It could he's just crazy, right? Every time Perrin smells him, he's like, that guy smells super crazy. It just it yeah I, it's it is possible but it, if if that ends up being the case I will hope for there to be some explanation because yeah Masima's been with Rand for a really long time or or had been with Rand for a really long time. There was a, a nice bit there where uh, Berlane brought Perrin some breakfast and uh, and she he's just eating it and like talking to her and she's like all of a sudden gives him this shocked look and he it's because he bit like a chicken bone in half. <laughs> Yeah. And and he's like, what do you, what? And he actually, he thinks, you would think she'd never seen anyone bite a bone in two before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that like parents distracted and angry or is that like parents a wolf? <laughs> I think probably both. Yeah. <laughs> so Perrin tells her about the Aes Sedai and Masima meeting. Including Anura, which is Berylaine's, Berylaine's Aes Sedai. Yes. And uh, then it leads up to this really nice bit where He's telling them all about the dark hounds and they're all laughing at him until he shows them the tracks. Yeah. It's great. And that's the end of the chapter. And that's, that's just classic Robert Jordan writing. That's a great stinger. Yeah. I, I, uh, all I could think is, you know, Perrin's like kind of hunting these, these dark hounds early on in this chapter and thinking about like, Oh, we'll, we'll have to deal with them. I, aren't they really hard to kill? Like, mm-hmm. I, they, he's fought them once before and I don't remember. Did, did he actually successfully kill any of them? Well, he says he did. I was confused because he goes on and on and on about how they're almost impossible to kill. But he also says that he killed one with like three arrows. Well, so yeah, well, how remember, hard are they to kill? Remember, that was the time they were being tracked outside of Ilion. Mm-hmm. And that was like, there was this whole bit where, okay, they're like a thousand yards away and I shoot three arrows and I kill one of them. But now they're like 50 yards away because they're so fast. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, it took and, and taking three arrows was a very big deal for something, you know. I, I, for some reason, I couldn't tell if he had actually killed it or if he just 
brought it down and then because uh, I remember Mar- that was when one of the times Moraine used Balefire, right? Was to- yeah, Moraine Balefire the rest of them. Okay, I couldn't t- I couldn't tell if that was okay. So one of those times Matt maybe died or not. Right. Yeah, it's true. One of them. I, that doesn't seem to be like the important one. That's just a normal old Matt death resurrection thing. Yeah, yeah. That was like that was like Balefire brought him back. It's no big deal. <laughs> so chapter seven, blacksmith's puzzle. Are you guys ready for some metaphors about blacksmith's puzzles? <laughs> Wait, those were metaphors? <laughs> He's not literally doing got, a blacksmith's puzzle right now? Icon of the Ravens. So everybody gets freaked out by the Dark Hound evidence because it's really freaky. Yeah, they, they do not take it well, understandably, because everyone, I guess, Dark Hounds as a, as a concept are a thing of legend, right? So everyone's got their, right. like a boogeyman kind of thing, right? Yeah. And uh, then Masuri, who I do not remember this person at all, but she gives a really great lecture about Dark Hounds that I found fascinating. <laughs> Me too. It was fascinating, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, how convenient that they have an expert on Dark Hounds there with them. Yeah, absolutely. Who is uh, a brown, by the way. Brown, wait, Do you think? Wait, yeah. do you think she's connected with those Dark Hounds? I'm just saying we we have a pretty good idea that there's somebody well in the tower and Missouri's not in the tower but there's some a forsaken walking around who's probably a brown and Missouri is amazingly well versed in dark hounds. Oh, that's a lore. good point. So yeah, just but saying. she's she says she's met I, I love the bit where she says some people think there's only 7 dark hound packs, some people think there's 13. Um some people think there's lots and lots. What a cool idea if there was only seven Darkhound packs that are all sent out on missions. I like <laughs> no, that. but then she says, but I know there aren't because I've met like six Darkhound packs or something bizarre. Yeah. Well, she, yeah. she says that she's met that many, but there could be more. She also says that each Darkhound pack has a different like feel to them. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. She was so suspicious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she, I bet she's been waiting for a really long time to give someone a lecture about Darkhounds. <laughs> it's like it never comes up in conversation. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I did my dissertation on that and never shows up. <laughs> Motherfucker. I, I did I, I thought it was kind of weird that Perrin didn't speak up here because he actually had like if they're talking about things they know about dark counts, he has stuff to add because he's fought them, right? He didn't he didn't Absolutely, mention anything yeah. about that. Well, because the the hammer has no need of information about dark hounds. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Uh so who do we know who they're after? Because I feel like we're supposed to know who they're after at this point. I don't know unless, and this is only a guess. They are going to uh, where Rand is going because cause remember they're they're basically sending all of their forces against Rand and Nynaeve, uh There, oh, we didn't okay. actually see them get there, which means I could be wrong, but uh, it could be that they're they're after Rand and Nynaeve. Uh Okay, yeah, maybe because I think they're going the right direction for it. I don't. I think uh, Rand and Nynaeve are to the north, right? Yeah, I think that's right. So they're surprised by Masima and an armed party. Yeah. Uh, They have this very tense meeting where Perrin seems pretty convinced they're about to have to fight them. Yeah. And Masima is just like crazy as an outhouse rat. Like he is. (laughs) Yeah. That's nothing new for him. But like. Uh, He's he's nutty. Uh, Perrin smells him. And he's like, that guy smells nutty. Also, Aram smells pretty nutty to me. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, they talk a lot about how Aram is jealous. I was like, huh, all right. He's got, yeah, uh, got a sing- not, not super great. Is Aram going to single white female parent or something? I don't know. <laughs> but so Masima tries to interest them in some nearby town with full warehouses. 
to go like raid them or something. Yeah. Which Perrin immediately thinks that's got to be a trap. I, I mean, what? I guess, right? I. It is really difficult to read Masima, you know. So uh, I mean, it could it could just genuinely be a attempted gesture of goodwill, but I have no idea. Yeah, but then uh, reinforcements for parents show up, and Masima leaves, and then uh, the the scouts are returning. So what what's what's your read on this, guys? Is is this was Masima planning on killing Verilane or something like that, and he just didn't because Perrin and the, some extra channelers were there. Well, yeah, he is crazy, but yeah, I think that I think that's my read is that he was coming here to kill Barrelane or Perrin or anybody that he could get alone, and that that's his plan. Okay. Mm. Well, I don't know why they're not killing Masima. They got to kill that dude. Well, yeah. So Perrin, throughout this and the next chapter, thinks about blacksmith puzzles a lot because he's trying to figure <laughs> out his way through this this scenario that he's in. Apparently, blacksmith mm-hmm. puzzles make good generals. <laughs> Apparently. Because Perrin's like, you know, like, Masima's here, and we brought a bunch of troops with us, but maybe Masima's wanted to draw our troops off here so he could attack the camps and kill the wise ones. It's just like a blacksmith puzzle, right? You move one piece and you put the other piece in there. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, Perrin remembers a guy who used to be able to do blacksmith puzzles who was blind, but you know, Perrin could never do them without his eyes. He has to be able to see the blacksmith puzzle in order to solve yeah, it. I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, chapter eight Whirlpools of Color, icon of the Aes Sedai symbol. So, they get some news from the scouts. They found a news. lot of Shido. Yeah, they found like 10,000 of them. Yeah, and they or have. More. So they have ten thousand fighting Ail, and they and he has twenty five hundred fighting not Ail, which is you know, right, not fantastic. So that's not great. Um, they some of the other lords and lady types suggest offering ransom, and Perrin says, "Hell no, fuck that! I want to kill." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know he's in a mood. He's been having a rough couple of weeks. He wants to he wants to vent a little bit of that out there. Yeah, I mean, he also thinks he doesn't trust the Shido, which is. Probably smart. Yeah, Pretty smart. Yeah, totally. I mean, the idea of attempting to negotiate for ransom with Shido. Well, even the Aiel with him are like, well, we don't really do that with, uh, we don't exchange prisoners for money. That's We don't do that, right? But even if that were not true, the Shido are like, corrupted and, and evil. They're the, they're the evil Aiel. So, yeah, don't trust them. Yeah. and uh, And also they're... The advantage they have over the Shido is the Shido don't know they're there. And, mm-hmm. but I, I honestly, I was actually expecting him to do that, that thing with the white cloaks where they snuck in. Yeah, I kept waiting for that too. That was from, gosh, that's a callback from Eye of the World, right? Yeah. Where Nynaeve sneaks into the camp. Is that what? It- yeah, but apparently that's a no-go this time. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, number one, uh, this camp is way bigger. Like, it's huge. Uh, and... They don't know where the prisoners are, and like it'd be it'd be like if we were going to sneak into, you know, a city at night and try and find people that we don't know where they are. It's like, well, guess we better do a lot of sneaking. So that's that's thing one, and thing two. Yeah, they said. Sorry. Oh, thing two, they're Aiel. Like it's you can sneak past a bunch of dumb white cloaks. It's hard to sneak past past Aiel. Yeah. Yeah, true. they were saying that the they're spread out over over a mile. Like that would be awfully hard to go into enemy territory and try to find a single person in there. Yeah. 
they uh, so they travel using gateways to near the Shido and, and get eyes on them. There's some really cool stuff here about them, you know, scouting their way ahead and, you know, don't profile yourself against the ridge line and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, I think it's good writing for Robert Jordan. It's true. It's good it was. Stuff. I have to say, like, now that everyone on Team Dragon can teleport, it makes a lot of things way easier. <laughs> they're like, oh, they're yeah. 40 miles away. It's like, well, well good. Uh, like when I first read that, I was like, oh, okay, we're going to have some traveling. Oh, wait, no, capital T traveling. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit bad for these Ashaman that are with them, though, because, you know, parents like, can you gate us there? And the guy's like, oh, I'm pretty tired. Might be kind of dangerous. What about the other guy? He's even more tired. I'll do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is it Grady and Neald, I think? Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, this is a. Uh... Traveling is is something that people didn't even know they could do until recently. So it's it's probably like a, a, a bit of a drain on somebody who's like a normie. Yeah. Anyway, so they've they've scouted out the city. Perrin gets the lay of the land. Let's see. Oh, the so so this is interesting. They they mentioned that uh there are a lot of women channeling down there, like way too many. I, I think that they said something like four hundred, which is is, you know, like White Tower numbers, almost, you know? Yeah, well, that, that's because, if you remember, Savannah kept all the wise ones with her. I, I knew that, but I guess, I guess I just didn't realize it was that many. Like, I thought it would be like, you know, 100, not like 400, you know, or 500 or whatever. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but it's, it's a lot, right? I guess there's a lot of wise ones floating around. Well, I, I, it definitely changes our, our math on the number of channelers in the world. If each clan has, in the neighborhood of 500 channelers, that's like, a lot of yeah. Aiel channelers. Yeah. So anyway, while they're doing this, the cleansing of the of Sidin happens off screen, um, and everybody freaks out because that's what happens whenever any, whenever this happens from everybody's perspective is people freak out. Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, even Perrin gets it like it's a Tavern brain blast. It's like, oh, I can't see anything but colors. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and everybody's like, whoa, we got to go deal with that. That's crazy. And Perrin does not care. The hammer doesn't care about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew it was like, you have to understand, this is something historic, something magical has happened here. And Perrin just holds up in his hand. He's like, no, what we're doing is dealing with this problem. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. Perrin needs to get his dick wet. <laughs> <laughs> I got some butts to sniff. <laughs> it's been 22 days. <laughs> it's been 22 days. That means he's he's missed out on 44 butt sniffs by now. That's right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but but again, this serves as like a good time marker, right? So now we know. Now I, I guess we've like synced up where we are. So that that happened at the end of the previous book, right? Yes. Yes. With the Choden yeah. call and everything. So I yeah. think I think we're all synced up now. Yeah. So yeah, that we we saw it happen with Matt. Now we've seen it happen with Perrin. Uh, and we're, what about you know? We still have not seen what what it's like for the Ashaman to have the side in be clean all of a sudden. That's true. So we, we saw Loghain pop over to, where was he going? He was going to, um, Kyrian, Kyrian, right? So I think that might've been before the cleansing, but it was, yeah. And we saw Matt. And the last thing Matt did was have all the Aes Sedai freak out about the channeling happen. Yeah. So the, that's, that's a good point. The Ashaman that, yeah, this could be really interesting seeing what happens with the Ashaman. Um, yeah, yeah. So okay. we're about halfway through this book. I, I, I guess the rest of this book. We are thirty three percent through. 33%. I calculated it because I'm not enjoying this book. Oh yeah, it, it, it's uh, you know, people talk about this. So far, nothing has happened. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, and and this is more or less what our 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 fans told us when we when they were talking about the slog that the problem with this is not necessarily that it's bad writing. The problem is that this book is was supposed to be these I think three books were supposed to be one book that ended up being just insanely long. So Robert Jordan's editors did their best to like cobble this into three different books. And what we're reading yeah. here is essentially like the mishmash of parts that were cut out of the, the the book we just finished. So, you know, it's, that's what's happening here. And, and it's not that nothing's happening, but we're, we're jumping all over the place and we keep jumping back in time. So things aren't progressing exactly, which I, I find a little disjointing. I guess by the end of the uh, the end of this book, and then the next book is where everything comes back together. But you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm not hating it, but I I certainly see why people don't enjoy this book as much as some of the others. Yeah, I still I'm not I'm not sick of it yet, but uh, I'm also not enjoying it yet. Yeah. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about this, but it's something I also wanted to point out. Um, Elias and Perrin, just before they teleport out, have like a kind of an interesting conversation about Darkhounds. Uh, we learn that according to the wolves, you know, this could be true, this might not be, this might be just like their their boogeyman tales. Darkhounds were once wolves, but their souls were twisted by darkness. Uh, some maybe during the Trolloc Wars. And apparently, if a dark hound uh, eats the soul of a wolf who hasn't died yet, it becomes a dark hound a year later. And a new Dark Hound pack is formed, which I thought was kind of cool, you know? Yeah, yeah, that is neat. They're like wolf vampires, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, yeah. I also think it's interesting how we how that kind of tells us, well, I, I guess we see how a lot of the, the things that the Dark One uses are corruptions of, of the, you know, whatever, the normal, the, the, the natural, like yeah. the Trollocs and the Mirdral are are humans that have been warped, or you know. It makes you wonder if the if the magical powers that the Darkhounds have are of a piece with the magical powers that regular wolves have. Yeah, that's true. It could be like a kind of a tainted version of that, or something. Anything else? No, I I, I do I do like learning about the where the the weird things come from, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's good stuff. I really liked Masiri's lecture about the Dark Hounds. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I was like, like, ask her more stuff. I want to hear stuff. <laughs> yeah, you, we're just going to let that lie? No, no one else? Cause, yeah, this is a <laughs> rare opportunity ask here. about <laughs> how convenient it is that we have her around right now as this is happening. You know, <laughs> no. to be to be fair now, it could just be Tavren, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it could be Tavren be Tavrening, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, you run into one Dark Hound pack that's bad. You run into two, that's a coincidence. You run into, I think this is her eighth. <laughs> this is starting to be a pattern. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a good point. Like, how, if you wanted to study Darkhounds, how do you go find them? Well, they, they, they're in the blight. They're not unheard of. Like, Lan was familiar with them, right? Yeah, that's true. So that means she went to the blight. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, anything else? Yes. Right. Apparently... Somebody was saying Robert Jordan said that the Sean Chen accent is actually a Texan drawl. Wait, what? What? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, who Wait. said that? Where did you hear that? Okay, hang on, hang on. I'm going to find it because that is insane to me. So okay. they're like, like, okay, what's what's the something Sean Chen say? Like, 
Well, so we're saying it wrong then. It should be like Sean, Sean Chan, right? Hi, Lady Suroth. Hi, Lady Suroth. Daughter of the daughter of the Empress. May she live forever. Yeah, two on. Oh God, oh, man, it kind of works. Oh right? my God. If we start doing this, I will not like you know you guys know like I have I, I have a lot of Texas like East Texas family so like <laughs> it's uh yeah uh, that, that like I know what that accent sounds like if I start hearing in. that in my head it's gonna really a gay and in yeah <laughs> the Empress may she Come live forever Empress may she live forever may she live forever um. <laughs> Somebody named Paul Ward received a letter from Robert Jordan in which he listed what some of the regional accents of Randland sounded like. Two Rivers is Irish slash English. The Ilianers are Dutch. The Aiel are somewhat Slavic. The Terran are Spanish. The Damani are Indian. The Saldian are Egyptian slash North African. And the Shanchen are Texas. That's crazy. What? (laughs) That's so specific too. He's talking about two countries, and he's like, and Texas. Yes. Okay. So this, right. so this guy's not a Death Watch guard. He's a Death Watch guard. Death Watch death guard. Death Watch guard. Oh no! <laughs> this is gonna mess me up. Okay. No, yeah, this is we're great. Have to, I'm gonna. We're gonna have to say that from now on. Every time we say it, we talk about, it, we're gonna say, "The Empress may she live forever." <laughs> Bless her heart. Bless her Bless heart. Her heart. Oh man! Oh, okay, okay. No, this is gotta great. go down to the Bucky's and pick me up some more Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you know those uh, Marathamane? They they're little better than animals. They need to be collared. <laughs> oh my mm-hmm. god! Just like my mom always said. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for thank you for ruining that for me, Alice. I love it. <laughs> you are so welcome. All right, so so we actually do have one email from somebody who asked Micah, why do you not have one of those, and will you ever get one of those? Oh, yeah, no no problem. I can talk about that. So first of all, uh, because, and number two, (laughs) fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Thank you. I'm sure they'll be happy to know. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters... 9 through 12 of Crossroads of Twilight. I am Jeff Lake. That's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan on Twitter and Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. And I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. And if you ask us a question, we might answer it on air. Let's see. Please share this with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Armadillo Podcasting Club. You can find our other podcasts there if you're so inclined. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The the light light illumine (laughs) y'all.